Lord, as we bow before you, we, we have heard your word, and there are some hard things that you have said, but you've said them out of love to us, your children. And so, will you give us ears to hear what you have to tell us now? Will you give us hearts that are open to be molded by you, conformed to what you would have us be, who you would have us be. And we pray for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So you go downtown to a nice restaurant. Maybe for some of you that's just a a special occasion. Some of you maybe do it a little bit more often. You've parked your car. You begin walking toward the restaurant when out of the shadows of a doorway, someone steps out and says this to you. I haven't eaten in two days. Can you spare anything just to help me get a cup of coffee? Your response. Well, either you walk on by, try not to make eye contact or acknowledge that uh, you've been asked to do something. Or maybe you open your wallet hoping that you've got small bills in there and you give him something to appease your conscience and you hurry on by. If you walked on by most people would have at least a a twinge of guilt, if not much more. As you enter into the, the warm restaurant for a nice meal, and maybe you wonder, will he be there again when we leave? And you have to walk by him again. If you give him money, you wonder if that really helped him get a cup of coffee or maybe something to eat since he said he hadn't eaten in a couple of days, or you wonder whether you've hurt him because he's going to go buy something that will feed his addiction. It's a dilemma most of us have faced. How many of you have ever faced that dilemma? All of us, really, at at some point, in one form or another. And we in the church office face it in numerous forms virtually every week, sometimes several times a week, and our deacons do an amazing job in terms of meeting with people, trying to discern if there is a genuine need 
And if, if there is a genuine need, whether we can or should be of help. But in talking with those that, that meet, and I know exactly how this feels because I've been on, on this end of it too, no matter what you decide to do, you always have questions whether you, what you did was right or not. And probably won't know. So how do we deal with this? What should we do? And even more to the point, what should our heart attitude be when we deal with these kinds of situations? Uh, Proverbs helps us, I believe. And, And it helps us, first of all, I think, in beginning to understand from the, the perspective of the poor. So let's look at some passages from Proverbs. I'm, we're going to be jumping through a, a number of passages. So I'll give you the passage. If you can quickly turn to it and then, then we'll deal with it. In Proverbs 14, verse 20, Proverbs 14, verse 20. We see that the world shuns the poor. Verse 20, the poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. So what kinds of things, when, when you hear poverty, and, I, and I, I want to acknowledge also some of you have been in poverty, and some of you are there now. But if you're not in poverty right now and you hear about that, what are some of the things that you, you tend to think of? You, you, you think of things like poor hygiene, bad health, maybe low moral standards, maybe wrong priorities, crime. Now, when I say any of those things, every one of those things are things that most of us want to flee from. We want to get away from those things. We want to stay away from them. And so when it says the poor is disliked even by his neighbor, we, we can understand certainly how they would feel that way and how it may indeed be reality. Uh, listen to what some who are poor have said about their experience. This is a, a, from a series of books called Voices of the Poor, and I just want to read you a few of them. For a poor person, everything is terrible. Illness, humiliation, shame. We are cripples. We are afraid of everything. We depend on everyone. No one needs us. We're like garbage that everyone wants to get rid of. Another one said, I feel ashamed standing before my children when I have nothing to help feed the family. I'm not well when I'm unemployed. It's terrible. Another. When one is poor, when he has no say in public, she feels inferior. She has no food. 
So there is famine in her house. Another, your hunger is never satisfied. Your thirst is never quenched. You can never sleep until you're no longer tired. And just one more. If you're hungry, you'll always be hungry. If you're poor, you'll always be poor. Do you hear the the helpless feeling of many of the poor? Those kinds of things that we may not think of when we we see them on the corner or approaching us. Proverbs 18, verse 23, turn to that. Because it, it begins to explain more how the world shuns the poor. The poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. Proverbs 18, 23. What it's saying is that, that no mercy is shown to the poor. And I have to tell you this week, uh, I, it's, it's been a convicting week as I've had to grapple with, with feelings. Some of them I didn't even think I still had or, or thought I had gotten away from. But, but what, what kinds of uh, judgments do we tend to make as to why someone may be poor? Let me give you several. Well, they're, they're poor by choice. If they wanted to work, there are jobs out there. We especially are hearing that now with all the jobs out there. Or they're poor because they're lazy. Last week, our message was what Proverbs had to say about laziness. Or they're poor because of their race. Now, lest we fall into that trap as believers, remember our scripture reading in James? It was, it was talking about the poor, and, and maybe some of us made the same judgment on the people that that was speaking about in James. Do you know who the poor are that James is speaking about? They were poor Christians with Jewish background in all likelihood. Possibly they were poor because of their faith. And it would be none of these other reasons that we tend to jump to the conclusion of. So believers ought to show mercy even in how we consider the poor. Further, the the world shuns the poor. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 4. 19, verse 4. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Down in verse 6. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All the poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? So it, it says that the, you know, we're talking about how the world shuns the poor. This is talking about how friends desert you. And, it, and it's human nature, let's face it. And this is certainly not giving a good example of what friendship ought to be, but wealth attracts friends in the world. 
That's what the world's attracted to. What happens when the wealth is gone or if there is no wealth, Proverbs says friends usually desert you. It shows what their motives were. Not love for the person, but love for the person's money. But Proverbs says this, not just your friends, it says even your relatives shun them. Why? Well, it's likely they're afraid you're going to sponge off of them, right? And maybe some of us have relatives who would fit that category. Now, that's what the poor feel. But what about our attitude? Proverbs 14, verse 31. 14, verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. So here's what it's saying. Treating the poor badly reflects on your attitude toward God. It's rather sobering, isn't it? Shocking, maybe. It doesn't even say, if you treat them badly, you're showing contempt for the poor, but for God himself, their maker. And that reminded me also of James. Remember we talked about how James, some say it's kind of a New Testament version of Proverbs. But in James chapter 3, you don't need to turn to it, but it's talking about uh, in this way, 3.9, it says, uh, talking about the tongue. And he says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people. And here's, here's what's wrong with cursing people who are made in the likeness of God. See, that's the problem. It's not just that it's bad behavior to to curse others, but you're cursing God's creation here, someone who is in his likeness. Proverbs is saying you cannot separate oppression of the poor from contempt for their maker. It reflects on on your attitude toward God. Remember Zacchaeus when uh, the, the tax collector, what his reaction was when he became a follower of Christ. He said this, Lord, half my possessions I'll give to the poor and those I cheated. He somehow quickly understood how related was his attitude toward the poor and his attitude toward God. When he was given a renewed attitude toward Christ, he received a new attitude toward his neighbor. Related to that, Proverbs 21, verse 13. 21, 13. says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. What's that saying? 
It's saying that, that God's going to treat us how we treat others. Now, I'm not sure I am happy with that. But that's what the, the Word of God says. Let me read to you from Robert Murray McShane, who um, I think he's really summed it up, and, and it's a couple paragraphs, but let me read to you how he deals with something along this line. He says, now, dear Christians, some of you pray night and day to the branches of the, the true vine, to Christ. You pray to be made all over in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him in giving Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. 2 Corinthians. Here's what he says. Here's an objection. Objection number one. My money is my own. Answer. Christ might have said, my blood is my own. My life is my own. Where would we have been then? Objection two. The poor are undeserving. Answer. Christ might have said, they are wicked rebels. Shall I lay down my life for these? I'll give to the good angels. But no, he left the 99 and came after the lost. He gave his blood for the undeserving. Objection three. The poor may abuse it. I give them money. They may abuse it. Answer. Christ might have said the same. Yes, with far greater truth. Christ knew that thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that most would despise it, that many would make it an excuse for sinning more. Yet he gave his own blood. Oh, dear Christians, if you would be like Christ, Give much, give often, give freely to the vile and poor, the thankless and the undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so will you be. It's not your money I want, but your happiness. Remember his own word, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you're doing the SAPC reading challenge, uh, last week you read in Matthew 18, and that, there you read about the parable of the unmerciful servant, where, where one had a debt that it would have been completely impossible to pay back ever in many lifetimes, and in the parable he's forgiven. But then he turns around and, and someone owes him a small debt, and he won't forgive it. He refuses to forgive it. And then the bottom line of the parable is you're in real trouble now because you've been forgiven all of this and you won't forgive another. And now you'll be condemned. Proverbs indicates that. We need to understand that the Lord will repay. Proverbs 22 Turn to Proverbs 22, verse 22. Do not rob the poor because 
because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. Verse 23, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. And we read over in Psalm 72, verse 12, for he delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. What these are saying is that God takes up the cause of the poor, of those who are in a position of not being able to help themselves. We must not find ourselves in a position of exploiting the poor. And, and you might say, well, I'm not a slumlord. I don't exploit the poor in that way. What about the company you work for? If we stand silent, even if our government exploits the poor and we say nothing, we too will be accountable. So what do we do? Proverbs 29, verse 7. Twenty-nine, verse seven. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Christians should treat the poor with justice. Who who are the righteous in in this? Well, from a New Testament perspective, the only righteous Christ is the only righteous one, and his followers are those who are called that because of Christ in them. Because we've been recipients of righteousness that we didn't deserve, we should desire it for those who generally receive none. Why? Proverbs 14.21. 14.21 again. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. So we need to treat them with justice, according to Proverbs 14, 21, so as not to sin. If we treat the poor unjustly, we're showing spite for our neighbor, and in doing so, we're sinning not only against our neighbor, but against God. Remember, remember God's image can't speak against them because they're made in God's image. They might not look like it, but that's not how we choose who is in God's image. We listen to the word of God. And then further, Proverbs 19, verse 7. 19, verse 17, rather. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. So what it's saying is that that we'll reap our reward. Now, picture this, what this is saying to us. When you give to the poor, 
in doing that, you are lending to the Lord. I don't know, I had never noticed or remembered that verse before. Lending to the Lord. He calls it lending because he's going he's to repay us. He's going to repay us with interest. So back to our introduction. Some of you have been thinking about that ever since I mentioned it, about the person. And because I know you, you want me to give you the answer. You want me to tell you what to do the next time someone steps out and, and says that to you. I'm not going to do that. You know me well enough to know that. That would be too easy. Because with that, you would either say, well, okay, Pastor Weldon said to, to do that, I guess. I got to do it, you know, and then... The guy steps out and you, you know, Pastor Weldon, you know, and, and all that. Or you'd say, well, I'm not doing that. I don't care what Dale says. And here's the point. It doesn't matter what Dale says in this. That would be too easy and it would also miss the point. The point isn't even necessarily that you have a formula for what you're going to do the next time. Although we should think through those things and share with one another. How, how do we deal with this? I think that's, that's going to, I can hear that in our community groups already tonight. But the point isn't that we have some kind of formula, but it's having a right heart attitude when the poor approach us or we approach them. It's about the heart. So I want to I give you three applications here in terms of our attitude. The first is when you see the poor, remember that you're looking at an image bearer of God. And tell your children that too. Regardless of what you do, it doesn't matter what they smell like, how clean they are, they are made in the image of God. That needs to be in our heart. But secondly, let me read to you what Robert Murray McShane quoted in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, you by his poverty might become rich. When you see the poor, reflect on your own spiritual poverty. Say, I, I'm, I may not be in that position now, but spiritually, I was like that and I was worse. I was undeserving when he came and he took me up in his arms and he cleaned me up and he gave me a new heart. 
see them as, as you before Christ got a hold of you. And then thirdly, when you minister to the poor, know that you minister to Jesus. I want to read to you from Matthew 25. You don't have to turn to it. In Matthew 25, it says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, that's the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, that's the goats, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it, for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Not because they earned it, but because that's what his children, his real children, will do. May God grant us a right attitude. New eyes to see the poor and hearts that are broken by the same things that breaks Jesus' heart. Let's pray together. Lord, will you give us discernment? Will you indeed do what we're all so worried about, help us to do the right thing? But, but way beyond that, will you give us right hearts toward the least of these? 
I have no doubt that you're going to bring them into our lives probably this week, maybe today. Give us the heart of Christ, the eyes of Christ. As we look on them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.